Welcome to the Rise Up Network. I'm your host, James Carmody. This is episode 139, and we are empowering servant leaders, encouraging folks to rise up and make a difference out there in their community. We have a fantastic leader in studio with us today talking about a very important topic with the CEO, Executive Director for Elder Help, Deb Martin. Welcome to the show. Thank you, James. Obviously, you're doing very important work. None of us have found the fountain of youth. We're not stopping time. We're all getting older. Uh, some of us are further down that path than others. And so it's a very important topic. And I know a topic you're very passionate about. We're going to unpack all of it and, and give our audience some very important things and some action items that they can take away. But I want to back up a little bit, just you know, a little bit about your background. Where are you from? Where'd you go to college? And what's, what's your career path been like? Well, I'm actually born and raised in San Diego. Anita, uh, fantastic. Grew up here and I love it very much. I um, had the opportunity to go to college in Ohio. Um, I came back rather quickly, but I realized okay. that I was better suited for uh, San Diego, Didn't and like I've been here ever winter. since. Yes, Got it. great college, just a little bit needed to come back to San Diego. Yep. And uh, I d did finish my schooling here at U USD and uh, National. Um, I have a degree in business law. Okay. And um, my focus, my career, really, I got early on into the event and meeting planning incentive travel industry at an early age. And I was in that field for 25 years, uh, wow. running large events, uh, incentive programs, uh, running the companies that ran those events uh, in Southern Cal. We had offices in Los Angeles, Norwich County, Palm Springs, San Diego. Uh, I helped franchise that business. And it was eventually sold and I started my own consulting business and that's how I came across Elder Help, who actually hired me as a consultant initially uh, to help with some um, reorganization that they were going through at the time. Got it, so they were already in existence, had been around for several years. Yes, Elder Help is uh, born and raised here in San Diego. Uh, we're actually celebrating 45 years this year of wow. our existence. So okay. we were founded in mid-city San Diego okay. back in 1973. Hmm. Uh, and we were in the basement of a church, like a lot of great nonprofits get their start. Yep. And we partnered with the School of Social Work at San Diego State and determined that there were a high number of seniors living on their own in their homes. And there were a lot of meal programs, but there weren't yeah. a lot of social services and other types of programs that kept them viable, healthy, safe in their homes. And so Elder Help was sprung out of that, and we've been doing that for 45 years. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And in how, how did you first get introduced? How did you first connect with them? Because, you know, in the event planning industry, it's a little bit different than elder care. You know, it, it, it is. Uh, in some ways, I think that uh, my parents were older when I was born. And so okay. from a very early age, I was around what I called cronies and uh, older folk. Uh, I was raised around that. I had yep. great respect and passion for them and their their history and their contribution to society. Uh, then when my mom was aging, uh, she went to the DMV to get her license renewed. Uh, mm -hmm. She had a license at the time, and at the time she took her DMV test, they decided she shouldn't keep her license, and they stripped it of her at the DMV. Really? And it was just the written test, or was this the actual driving test? Driving test. And so they left her, uh, they would not let her leave. Uh, they so took now her she license can't drive home. She drove herself there. Exactly. And now she can't drive home. Oh, exactly. Good. So she was left in the parking lot for several hours, uh, unable to call anyone, uh, unable to get a ride home. She was finally able to reach someone who reached me. Yep. Um, she lived up in Lake San Marcos area. So I yep. had a long drive in traffic to pick her up. And by the time I got there and picked her up and saw the look on her face, it began my role as an advocate for aging sure. and senior services. And I've been doing it ever since. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I, I mean, I... 
I can see a distraught, upset, you know, parent yeah. and going through that kind of experience with a government entity, yeah. you know. And, well, it's and just the loss of dignity. I mean, the loss of a license and the independence with that, as we either know or can imagine, is huge. Sure. Um, so the trauma of losing your license, along with the humiliation of being trapped there, the, being uh, scared of how you're getting home and then what the next steps are, uh, the insensitivity of that. And we're actually hoping to work with Senator Atkins' office and the DMV to pilot a program where when the seniors are losing their licenses at any local DMVs, they can call us and we can arrange mm -hmm. for a transfer. And it will be somebody who's aware of senior issues, the gerontology aspect of it, and uh, we can help them get safely home and uh, understand maybe what their options are from that point forward for transportation. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was so important. So Very important. important. I mean, it's amazing the things we take for granted. I mean, I remember going up to visit my mom, and the uh, cable company came and swapped out her cable box. Right. Completely different, brand new cable box. All the stations have changed to her favorite shows, yep. all the things she had programmed and scheduled on her DVR. And, her, you know, for someone who lives home alone, these certain rituals and consistencies are highly important to their sense of self-worth and lack of isolation. Yeah. And uh, it took me four hours to reprogram everything and create a large print list of instructions for her to figure out how to navigate that. We take that for granted. Sure. And um, those, those are fairly simple things, but without any thought or connection to it can cause a huge disruption. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So let's, let's back up a second, you know, and so Elder Care is a San Diego company. Been yes. around for a long time. Elder Help is a nonprofit. It's been around for 45 years, and our mission has pretty much stayed the same over the 45 years. We're focused on uh, personalized social services to seniors who are trying to remain in their homes. We want them to age with dignity, uh, independence, and self-sufficiency. And so we do that with a cadre of degreed social workers and about 500 volunteers. We go in the home, we figure out what the needs are, how we can assist them, how we can close the gaps of what's provided and not provided out there in the community. And then we hopefully get them set up in some kind of support system that allows them to stay independent and stay in their homes. And you know, are, are folks paying you guys? Are you getting donations? How does, how does the funding work? So the funding is we don't charge for our services. Uh, we used oh. to charge, and we found that that was an impediment to onboarding um, okay. new members, which wasn't the intent of our mission and what we're here to sure. do. Certainly we want to be sustainable, but we also don't want to prevent people from coming on board. And because we use social workers um, that seniors may not always see or understand their role in the home, and then mm -hmm. we use volunteers, which are in their mind or unpaid, it was a little bit of a disconnect for them to understand the cost of what it takes to run our program. So we do ask that they donate and voluntarily donate, and many of them do. Mm -hmm. uh, and those donations are worth about 2 to 3% of our annual revenue. Um, by and large, we go out and we write grants to mm -hmm. supplement the line share of what we do. Uh, that's 40 to 50% of our revenue. We also have some government contracts for transportation and our shared housing program called HomeShare. Uh, that's roughly about 30% of our, re our revenue. And the rest is just good old-fashioned fundraising, uh, corporations, individuals, and uh, events. Fantastic. Yeah. Any, uh, any events on the horizon? Yes, we have a couple of great events. We have our open house coming up in October. And, you know, I should know the exact date, but it's on our website. Uh, okay. we also and what is your website? Our website is www.elderhelpofsandiego.org. 
elderhelpofsandiego.org. Okay, great. And we'll we'll have all that on our website as well. Yes, great. I mean, I should be fully prepared for this, but the open house always just comes upon us very quickly. I call it a state of the agency. We invite people to our office. We share our financials, our impact, Mm -hmm. uh, some stories about the work we're doing, and we we guard the investments that people leave with us zealously. We realize people out there working hard. Uh, they've saved money left over and decided to write us a check. We want them to know how we're guarding that money and how it's going directly to the programs and the people we serve. So we're very transparent in that at our state of the agency address, we call it. I and love then it. we have our, our big fundraising event is at Southwestern Yacht Club in March. And that's the Sunday afternoon reception and it's uh, March 11th. And it's a great afternoon of just showcasing some partners uh, a beautiful venue, uh, we host it, and it just brings people together in unity to understand why it's so important to do what we do. What are, what are some things that you know, folks listening to this need to know either in preparation, maybe they have parents who are aging, or if you're someone, you're in that, starting to be in that transition of life, what are some things that people need to know and how can they connect with you? Well, as far as connecting with us, of course, our website and our phone number and they're reaching out to us now. I think the key things are going to be is just pick the first is going to be the home. You know, Mm -hmm. where are they living? Is it safe to age in? If it's not one level and it's two levels, where are the stairs going? And can they continue to go up and down those stairs and take a look at what the options are around that? Of course, safety in the home um, falls of the largest um, preventable injury among the 65-plus um, population. In fact, in San Diego alone, they say one out of, or in the, in the nation, one out of three seniors experience a fall. The cost wow. of the healthcare system is at least $30,000 per fall. So um, the, the people on our programs fall 16% less than the average of uh, San Diego County senior turnout in our program. So you're looking at the fall prevention. That's a great statistic. It's a huge, I mean, it's, it's huge. And I was just reading a report, and uh, they said nationwide, there was something like the cost of falls was you know, $30 billion a year to healthcare. And these wow. are preventable, wow. mostly preventable injuries. Yeah. So the safety of the home is gonna be huge. Um, obviously the financial situation, people tend to undersave overspend, underestimate what they're saving, yep. and underestimate what they might be spending. So really taking a look at whether or not you're, uh, you have a budget, and there's a lot of free resources out there, um, and anyone can email me or call me or work on our site and reach out to us, but there's mm-hmm. resources out there to truly budget, understand what lies ahead, make sure you understand what your social security is gonna pay for, how you're gonna cover your, your benefits, and other types of daily living expenses to make sure you're not jeopardized into losing your home or not covering your basic needs. So those would be two key things. And then a lot of times children and their aging loved ones just don't have conversations. Yeah, uh, It's very difficult, sure. right? We're a little bit in denial. It's a tough situation and conversation to have, but it has to happen. Um, a lot of the things we deal with could have been prevented. Uh, a lot of people come to us a little too late for us to make a kind of impact that we'd like. Mm-hmm. So starting to have those conversations being open and honest, making sure your parents or grandparents or loved ones are not feeling threatened or you're not trying to take away their independence or their autonomy, yet these are conversations that need to happen. It will save a ton of money and um, other issues down the road. What do you, you know, what would you suggest to those, you know, the kids of older adults? How do they start that conversation, you know, now? I'm 50, 60 years old and, you know, mom's 80 mm-hmm. and mom shouldn't be behind the wheel anymore and mom mm-hmm. may need to transition to a facility or something like that um, you know 
what should they be doing to actually have that conversation? Well, the first thing is I would want to have that conversation before mom was 80. Okay. See, this is, tells you what I know. <laughs> um, and honestly, that was one of the few times my mom and I ever had a really serious uh, argument was that she should not have been driving uh, beyond the time she was. And so I wasn't at fault with the DMV issue, but she should not have been driving. I almost thought about doing that sound of music thing with the nuns where we go and we take the carburetor out of her car without her knowing about it in the dark of night. Right. But um, <laughs> the driving thing is huge. and, and that's a very hard thing to give up and you want to start noticing if you're starting to see changes in your parents in their mobility in the ambulation and that can include noticing their handwriting's changing their signatures are changing um, their response times are changing so the driving is going to be huge and if mom or dad or loved one loses their license what are the options available to them you know is there a budget for the shared riding and the ubers and the lifts are their friends and family willing to help out um, are there affordable drivers in town um, obviously access to public transit and all of that is an option but that's a lot more difficult for mm -hmm. most people and it's not easily accessible all over, all over the county um, so that would be one and just saying you know asking your parents or aging loved ones have you thought about what this might look like if you're not able to drive have you thought about um, you know if you had a fall if you could get upstairs or are you open to maybe looking at different ways we can modify the house to make it a little bit safer for you to live by yourself? Um, things like that. Yeah, no, great. I very, mean, I can very, go very, on and on. But yeah, no, yeah. It's, it, those, are, it, those are very tangible, yeah. real actions that folks can take, yeah, yeah. you know, and we'll share some of that stuff as well. Exactly, understanding your benefits, you know, understanding Medicare, yep. um, supplemental benefits, whether or not you're eligible for certain programs, especially if you're low or middle income. Yeah. Um, can you can share help more about those, you know, about those programs, specifically your programs? Yeah, well, all programs, our care coordination program and our intake and referral, we get about 7,000 calls a year wow. from people trying to navigate the agent right. space in San here? Diego. Exactly. I mean, half of those calls are around housing, which, as, as we know, is a very challenge. hot topic, huge mm -hmm. challenge. Um, and unfortunately, there are not a ton of resources. But I would say that the best thing we do initially is just listening. Mm -hmm. uh, most mm -hmm. of our calls have gotten the runaround, and they've been directed to resources that are inefficient and not able to help not them. Not appropriate. So listening to them is huge yeah. and being heard, and most of them are so incredibly thankful for that. Really identifying what the need is and then trying to get them the direct point to the resources they need to make that happen. Yeah. Uh, I think we're great at that. Um, those 7,000 calls average 25 to 30 minutes a call. This is not a five-minute call, and here's a list of it's numbers. A lot of Good luck. Exactly. Uh, we, re we really have just a couple of people who handle those calls, and they're phenomenal. Um, but we get them in there, and if they qualify for our programs, which is their 60-plus, they're ambulatory, uh, they need help, we'll go to their home. What do you mean by ambulatory? They can, they can get in and have a car themselves. Um, if, if, they, if they need our transportation. Got and it. if they, you know, we're not lifting and using wheelchairs and things like that. Okay. But they, if they're going to use our transportation program, we need to know that they can get in and out of the vehicle, and they can get to the doctor's office or whatever we're doing. Um, they have to advocate for themselves. You know, a, a child can't call and say, I want you to go into my mom's house and uh, do some light housekeeping and help her with the bills. Um, they have to want to do that. They have to want us there because we're using volunteers. Sure. So, and then we'll get in there and we'll, we'll figure out what is it you need? Do you need access to food vouchers? Do you need access to understand how to access Medi-Cal? Yeah. Um, do you need to enroll for veterans programs that you'll probably be eligible about that you don't even know about? Yep. So we'll... We'll navigate all that, make sure that they have a holistic approach to their aging. Phenomenal. How does, now let's, you know, we're, we're starting to wind down on time a little bit here, but talk about the volunteers. Your, your volunteer program is a little bit different, a little unique. 
and it's vast. It's, it's big. It is. We have 500 volunteers. Last wow. year, they donated, donated, and a lot of these volunteers work full time. Uh, sure. There's a myth that they're mostly retired, and they're not. We have 19 to 90 year old volunteers. Wow. Um, 500 of them last year, they donated 15,000 hours of time, which is really the equivalent of seven years of time being compressed into one year. Yeah. It's almost $400,000 worth of donated services that um, our population is being is receiving through them. We match them with the senior based on their interests and their needs and their skills. Mm -hmm. And then they create a relationship that is highly successful in um, staving off the isolation and depression, which is a huge part of what we're doing because that's a huge precursor to you know, health issues, chronic disease, hospitalizations. So these matches are phenomenal. We have a volunteer service coordinator who matches them who's just amazing. She loves people and she loves finding the right fit, like a jigsaw puzzle with the volunteer and a senior. We have drivers, volunteer drivers, who did over 8,000 rides last year. Wow. 80% of those rides were volunteers. The rest yeah. were our partnerships with Lyft yep. and other organizations. So Lyft these guys are totally guys. dedicated. Like yeah, they're totally dedicated to doing what we do. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times what we do is can be complicated, sure. but oftentimes it's simple. Yep. It's helping somebody empty the trash every week. It's yep. um, swapping out a woman who's sitting on a bucket to take her showers versus a legitimate shower chair so she's not at risk for falls and, and, yep. and not safe. Um, it's our RUK call program. We had one lady, we called her every day for years to keep her from descending into greater isolation. She finally said, you saved my life. She finally joined our care coordination program. She started doing field trips with our seniors and our staff. And she said, this seems small to you, but you guys give me a reason to wake up every morning. And so um, Hope. A, lot of, a lot of people don't have any resource or any family checking on them. In fact, 80% yeah. of our clients have no family yeah. or no family willing to be responsible for them in their care. Wow. And it's a, I think it's a cultural epidemic that we have. Yeah. Well, I mean, I just, I, th I so thank you for what you're doing. I mean, you know, Elder Help, you personally, the organization, you're providing hope, you're providing services, you're providing, I mean, just a wealth of resources, and most importantly, peace of mind yeah. for our older folks. We're doing our best. Yeah, yeah. well, that's great. Yeah. Thank you for what you do. It's our pleasure. Maybe Parting words for, uh, for our network and for our listeners. Well, just, you know, be thinking about it, look around you, and if you see someone needing a little extra hand, let's offer it up and direct anyone you can to us, and we'll do our best. And if you want to send a check, we'll love that, too. <laughs> uh, but we also love volunteers, and we just love word-of-mouth exposure. So take advantage of us. We're a great resource, and we're going to be around for a long time. Well, thank you, Deb Martin. Thank you, Elder Help, for all you do. Folks, get out there. Check out Elder Help. We'll have all their information on our website at sdriseup.com. Thank you so much for your servant leadership. You've been listening to the Rise Up Network. Thank you so much, folks. Get out there and rise up.